Don't look in the rearview mirror. Look through the windshield. And that's where you got to go. And that's what I kind of implement with people is, hey, it doesn't matter what you did before. Forget about it. This is a new relationship. You've met me. It's time to now say, yeah, tell me what you did in the past because I want to know about your experience and I want to learn from them. But then let's erase those and look through the windshield and find out what are we going to do? How long is it going to take? And make sure I educate you because you'd be surprised that not how difficult you think it is. It's just because you don't know yet. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by PlanWell, BeWell. PlanWell, BeWell is a place that connects your financial well-being to your personal well-being. It's a place to inspire and learn, to define your aspirations, to begin articulating what well-being looks like for you, and a place to provide the financial tools needed to achieve your financial goals and live your intended life. Because when you plan well, you can be well, now and in the future. To learn more, visit planwellbewell.com. Today, I'm with Rob Claire. He founded Balanced Wealth Management in 2015, where he serves as a principal and managing partner and integrates investment planning, financial planning, and technology with the psychology of motivating people to reach their life and financial goals. Rob was uh, featured for four years on WNAC 64 television as a money pro. He actually was the financial planning pro, and he currently hosts Successful Living, which airs on Fox Providence Television. He is a youth basketball coach, a high school basketball skills trainer associated with North Kingston High School, and an all-around good guy. Thanks, Rob, for breaking (laughs) money silence with me today. I like that last one. That one's the better one. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the unofficial uh, stamp of approval by KBK. How's that? <laughs> Sounds good to me. So, Rob, tell me a little bit about where your passion for financial education comes from, because you have a TV show, you obviously have a business, and I know we've talked offline, and you're pretty passionate about empowering young people, too, around finance. Yeah, you know, where it came from is, you know, my dad was a professor at Providence College and on the side, you know, and what I can remember as a younger kid was, you know, him doing tax returns just for family and friends. And at one point, I remember the number of doing about 40 tax returns. And then up until 2002-ish, he was almost up to 100 tax returns that he did for people. And it's it's funny because there's just a lot of little stories, like people would come to the house and pick up returns. But the big thing was he actually never charged any money. He got one gift certificate a year from one person who was just diligent and saying, you need to take something. And I think for me, when I saw that for the first thing, it was really just how special he was to just do it because he had a love and a passion for it. And, you know, those were taxes. But what he really enjoyed doing is I would say probably started it in the late 80s to the early 90s. He would have his long green spreadsheets and he would, you know, try to get people to, you know, take a look at, all right, is your goal your kid's education or retirement? 
and really kind of planning that out so they could visually see what they did today and what it would look like down the road. Um, and so for me, I always tell everyone that story that, you know, I'm probably not as good of a person as my dad is because, <laughs> because of, uh, number one is I, I didn't, I don't do this stuff for free, but nobody does. So once I kind of get over that, my passion was just seeing him sit at his desk in the family room. I'd look into his office and, you know, he was just crunching away and getting excited and people would come in and, you know, he was probably sweating because he was so energetic about it, you know, and someone has a thousand dollar refund and they'd be like, Oh, Bob you know, what should I do with that thousand dollar refund? And then the planning started. All right. Well, what are your goals? What do you really want to accomplish? Okay. So now let's find a balanced approach to doing that. Maybe half of it's going to go to paying that debt that's really bothering you. Maybe, you know, 20% is going towards some short-term savings and then have some kind of quote unquote fund money, which he never told me to use, but uh, (laughs) it was, you know, certainly something where he knew that there had to be a balance to what was available. So you watched your dad do this financial education to do it pro bono. I mean, a side note, your dad should have taken my uh, master class in negotiating. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, And I'm glad you're charging because you have great expertise. Uh, but you really watched him teach people about balanced wealth. And I know that's the name of your firm, but it raises the question for me or that a lot of people kind of make this assumption. If you are a financial advisor, if you're a financial planner, somehow you are perfect with money. So tell me, is that true for you, Rob? And was it true for your dad and the other financial advisors out there? Or can the rest of us, you know, breathe a sigh of relief knowing it's not necessarily true? Yeah, no, you know, when I think of my dad, I say, oh, yeah, he kind of had it down, right? So I think maybe the way someone might look at myself or someone in our profession is, oh, they they got it down 100%, right? And in my mind, I think my dad dad had it down 100%, right? Because I was kind of on the outside looking in. I'd be like, oh my God, he knows everything. But, you know, the more I kind of look at the stories, you know, him and my mom struggled and it was all about budgeting, the envelope method, saving and being patient. So I didn't get to see all those little things probably till even after he passed away. And then I kind of understood, oh, when he was going through that, it wasn't so perfect. But, you know, my image of him was, oh, he's got this thing under control, right? So I think that, you know, to me, when people look at me as a financial professional, I've struggled through my career a lot. Up until 10 years ago, you know, I was in the red the whole time. I mean, a lot of instances for me were in this business, you know, I had to fake it till I made it. And here I am giving people financial advice and I need to quote unquote, fake it till I make it. So they'll listen to me and I can actually build a living because I knew the principles of what to do. But was I really practicing them and was I feeling true to myself that here I am preaching this, but I can't even do that because I didn't have enough money coming in to support myself, then getting married, then having three kids, then having to move to a bigger house. I always felt like I was behind the eight ball, probably up until I was about 40 years old. Wow. So, you know, I think one of the things, though, that's helpful for people is to know that even like with your dad, when you looked from the outside in, it looked like he had his act together and that in some ways, maybe we just need to redefine what having your act together means, because it's not, in my opinion, and I'm curious what you think, it's not about being perfect around money, because I think that's almost impossible. I certainly have my stories that I've shared around my struggles around my relationship with money. How can we define it in a way that's more, I'm going to use the word balanced because it's easy, but how (laughs) can we define it differently than perfect? Like, What would you consider a healthy relationship with money? I say it's asking questions. So anytime that, 
you know, we all have an expertise, right? And, you know, there's certain things that, in a sense, that I would look at from the outside and kind of be scared of. You know, for instance, estate planning, when I first heard of it, here it is that other financial advisors that were much older than me in the business would always talk about estate planning. And I'd be like, oh my God, like, I have no idea how that really works. And I would kind of go beat around the bush. And then maybe I would say to a client, have you done your estate planning? And did I really even know what it meant? No. And I would kind of know some buzzwords. So I think the big thing is to ask yourself and ask others the questions because it's not as hard as you may think it is. And it's going to be difficult at different levels for people. But I think we all avoid asking questions and diving in of something we're scared of. And you know, my relationship with money early on was I never wanted to see what I owed in debt. Right When I first got in my business, I had to take loans out. I was a very lucky person that my dad was a professor at Providence College where I went. I had no student debt, but within three years of this business, I had $80,000 of debt and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just didn't want to look at it anymore. And I just said, if I keep looking at it, I'm going to get nervous. Well, I think now if it, you need to really ask yourself the questions. You need to put reality to paper and you almost need to share it with somebody. And I think once you do that, it's almost like therapy. You kind of get all that stuff going and then you can kind of be like, all right, wait a minute. That is what it is. And how am I going to attack this and make it better? And do I need someone's help or can I research it on my own? So I think those things are really important. So it sounds like a healthy relationship with money is breaking money silence, asking the questions, and then deciding what type of supports that you need. And so one of the things that you shared is about being in debt when you were starting off in this profession. Tell me a little bit about how that typically happens for a new financial advisor. Well, it happens because especially when you're younger, right? First of all, you don't have any clients. So I was about 23 years old. Uh, I grew up in Providence, right outside of Providence, Rhode Island. I spent one year doing accounting in Boston. And what my dad did is what I wanted to do, but I knew it was always a leap of faith, right? So I got in the business with Northwestern Mutual, which was an insurance company, but they had pretty much told me, hey, you can do financial planning and investments too. And the person that I you know, struck up a good relationship with was an individual that I met while I was at PC just interviewing with anyone and everyone that came on campus. And I really love this guy, sport guy, super good energy. And so after about a year of him keep asking me while I was doing accounting work, I said, you know what, that's what I want to do. Let me jump into it. I go and I jump into it. You know, I thought I had a lot of credit card. I had $1,500 of credit card debt, right? I was, you know, that was a lot back then for me. I jump in and now they say, hey, you're going to be on a draw. It's going to take a while for clients to buy insurance, mutual funds, or whatever it is. Well, for Rob, even though I was a social person, it took me a really long time because I never wanted to put pressure on anyone. So I was kind of educating for free in a sense. I think maybe that's how I thought it should be done because that's how my dad did it, but I wasn't realizing, oh, I need to make money, right? And it just kept adding up because I'm paying you know, rent for my office. I'm paying for any sort of supplies. I have to rent a house in Fairfield County, which was very expensive. And before I knew it, two and a half, three years go by, I'm in debt $80,000. And then any money I was making was trying to pay off that debt, you know, because I was certainly not making as much as I needed. And because I took the slower, not aggressive approach to getting clients, I was living off of that draw. And it really took a long time to kind of get over that, that mountain. Right. I think what you're talking about is a, an aspect of the financial services industry that some of us are trying to change because that's a lot of pressure for a young person 
um, to be able to kind of give them a base salary as opposed to having them go just initially on this commission with these draws and things like that. So for people out there that don't know the industry, there are some movements to change that. It's I don't think it's going to be across the board, but in certain aspects. So people can really focus on the, the education and, and, you know, gearing up and, and building their book of business. But today, Rob, you are actually on a series called Breaking Money Silence with Your Younger Self. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a second. And then I'm going to ask Rob about the advice he would give for his younger self. You know that negotiating your fees and getting paid what you're worth is emotional business. And I know how to help you become a rock star negotiator. So I am offering an exclusive group experience, a masterclass on negotiating for a hand-selected group of businesswomen. So if you're highly motivated, career-driven, and ready to take a deep dive into your money story and learn how to shift sabotaging beliefs so you can earn more, then this masterclass is for you. I'm taking applications now and space is limited to eight kick-ass women. You're going to get individual and group coaching, both facilitated by me, as well as video lessons, handouts, and a bunch of bonuses to help you become the rock star negotiator I know you are. So check it out at breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating hyphen masterclass and register today. This is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I am back with Rob O'Claire. We are talking about breaking money silence with your younger self, and Rob's been just sharing with me a little bit about his money history and his love of financial education. So, Rob, let's jump right into your relationship with money and what advice you might give your younger self. I'm asking every guest to yeah. give me three words that they would use to describe their relationship with money in their early 20s. What are your three words? Okay, so early 20s, number one, exciting. And when I say exciting, it was, you know, I got in this career because you hear about, oh, financial advisors and financial planners make a lot of money because they're involved in money and people are going to use them. So, you know, that was really exciting. But at the same time, I didn't get paid a lot in the beginning. <laughs> so that excitement kind of, you know, it's more valleys than it was peaks. Uh, so that was one thing. It also meant to me that when I did get it, that it would provide some security, you know, to me. So because I felt like I was kind of barren to the idea of my bank account didn't have this buffer that a lot of my friends that were, you know, I had a lot of friends that were in the mortgage industry and that would have been the mid nineties to late nineties. And even in the early two thousands, and they had these huge bank accounts, these huge 401ks and I've got nothing. And here I am trying to give them and other people advice. And, you know, there were times I was sitting down in Manhattan with, uh, Providence College alumni who was nice enough to uh, sit down with me. And I'm, I'm sitting across and I'm like, I'm making probably negative $30,000 a year. And this guy's making about one and a half million. Why would he ever take advice from me? You know, I think for me, that that idea of the excitement of when I did hit it and got something, that was great. And I could actually feel a little bit more confident and calm that I had the reserve there and some security. And then lastly, you know, I don't think this makes a ton of sense, but I wanted to be honest about it is like almost devaluing of the dollar that I got so behind the eight ball at a young age that I almost just ignored it and said, yeah, whatever the dollars make, they make. And I just got to focus on understanding the 
academic part of this and teaching people how money works. And okay, if it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for me. So whether I had a month where I lost $10,000 in loans or I gained $5,000 and back then commissions, that's what it was. And I think part of me just got to the point where I was ignoring my own financial situation. Yeah. So it's exciting, security, and then I'm going to use the word avoiding just because it's quicker, avoiding. Now, how did you get out of that? Because I know nowadays you are not in this place and you're running a thriving practice. You are very good at what you do. So how did you pull yourself out of the debt and the avoidance? So I think a lot of people would always tell me, especially kind of coming out of this, wow, you really persevered. And what I actually said was I was either blind, <laughs> I, I try to be humble about it, but I think you know, it was just sticking with it long enough. And for me, it was patience. So I did get excited when I got any client where I made any money or they even became the word client. And so I think a lot of people are always looking for, and this is something my dad taught me, you know, be humble and be patient. And a normal patience in this industry might be four or five years, might be considered long, where the Rob Claire patience was probably closer to 12 to 15 years. And I knew probably after five or six years when I started really getting one, two, three, four clients a year, and then it got bigger and bigger, that those were people that were going to stick with me forever because I never pushed them to do anything just so I could make money. And I never gave them bad advice. And I always treated them as an equal person slash a friend. And I know it sounds quirky, but it was really building those long-term relationships that when someone sat down with me, they could feel that, all right, Rob's not going to pressure me to do anything. He's going to educate me. And he's going to kind of whittle down the choices for whatever my issues are. And I really think that for me, it was just that gradual, you know, if you think of those first 10 years, you're below the red line probably for 10 and, you know, then there were three or four years where I was making twenty or $30,000. And then I think it just, it was momentum. You know, there were people that I met through those 12 years that came back to me and said, you know what, I appreciate that you never pushed me. You kind of did the right thing. And I know you could have pushed me to do something. And that relationship might not have lasted long. And they'd come back and be like, hey, I'm ready and you're my guy. And so I'm glad I sit here now. It certainly wasn't easy to do that, but that's, that's what that circumstance, you know, was. So if you had to pick three words now that describe your relationship with money, what would they be? So I would say, you know, I, I'm going to say the word security again. And the reason for security now is once you actually start to, to have that security, you actually want to keep building it up because you, in a sense, you don't ever want to go back, right? You don't want this thing to be like, well, I got this little safety account or I've got my 401k building and you don't want to ever say I need to drain it. So for me, it was it's the continuity of just keep adding and adding to that. So, you know, for me, it would you know, it'd still be that word. Number two is I don't think scary is out there anymore. You know, so for me, comfort and knowing that, you know, the inside of my well-being always felt like someone described this once as this band that kept going wah, 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 like that. And there was always this nervous anxiety. And it was because, am I going to have enough money to make the payment? Am I going to have enough oh, money to yeah. send my kids to school? And it was affecting a lot of my life. And I still think some of that movement is there, but that's really been able to give me more of a calming sense to say, okay, I have that stability now. And then, you know, the last part, and this is really just very recent, 
where I said to myself, it's always been about trying to get more clients. And now that, and again, I tell people, it's, it's not like I've achieved this thing where, oh, it's, it's great and I got to keep making it bigger and bigger. I'm now paying attention to, I want to make the re- existing relationships that I have now as informative, educational, but also really digging into where I thought is easy for me. And it's finding out what their feelings are and finding out in each, every unique situation, I know what other people are thinking. And if I can just help them by being there and they're expressing themselves of what they're scared of, I can then give them that security of, hey, if you do this, this is what it'll look like in the future. So Rob, what I hear is it's security, comfort, and it, this isn't the word that you use, but I think it's all encompassing. It is kind of, you have a more authentic relationship with your business, a more authentic relationship with your clients. And of course, what I love is that you're talking about the feelings related to finance. So it sounds like this journey has been useful and you're much more grounded that you, than you were in your 20s. I think if, if any yeah, of us are all honest, are. <laughs> let's hope so, right? The yeah. 20s were an interesting time, uh, certainly for most of us. So if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self and why would why would you give that advice? I would face my fear. And my fear was see, seeing how bad my financial situation really was. Instead of just thinking about it, it, it would have been, how much do I owe this credit card? How much do I owe Northwestern Mutual? How much do I owe whatever else is out there? And just see that and say, okay, what do I need to do to live on a monthly basis without going into any more debt? And what do I need to do maybe to get rid of it over five years, the debt that I've created? And so I really think it was more of just personal reality check, Mm -hmm. where for me, I just said, if I forget about it, maybe it'll go away someday. And I think I could have sped up the process if I really looked at those numbers and I wasn't scared of it. So if somebody out there is listening in and they go, wow, I really identify with that, whether it's, you know, they're in their 20s, 30s or 40s or whether they're, you know, later in their career. How do you help people in what you do face their fears? You know, I'm all about understanding where you are today, holding up that picture. Here's what you have, good or bad. Here it is. And I hold that up. And then I kind of find out and I say, here are the two or three things that I think need improvement. And then I want them to tell me what they think they needs improvement. And then once we agree on those two or three things, we then get into, all right, how are we going to attack those? And then understanding how do you get out of those? And then finally visualizing it. So going back to my dad's green spreadsheet, even though mine's on an Excel spreadsheet now, right? If you're trying to reach that goal, I need to show you how what you do today will affect yourself two, three, five, 10, 20 years down the road because everything you do will be impactful. And the longer you look out, the more impactful the things that you do today are. And you know, a lot of people always say, it's too late, it's too late, it's too late. I mean, I'm 55, 60, 65, 70, it's too late. It's not too late. The idea is you can turn that around regardless if you've got 40 years on your side, 20 years on your side, five years on your side. It's all about saying, my dad would always use this and it didn't make a ton of sense, but it kind of does. He would always say, because he and I went on some appointments together because he was great enough to, we were able to use those hundred people that did those tax returns for and go to them and say, hey, 
can Rob just show you what he's doing and bring you through that process? And not that we get a ton of clients off of that, but we were able to work together. So it was great. But he would always say when people would say something like, oh, it's too late. No, don't look in the rearview mirror. Look through the windshield. And that's where you got to go. And that's what I kind of implement with people is, hey, it doesn't matter what you did before. Forget about it. This is a new relationship. You've met me. It's time to now say, yeah, tell me what you did in the past because I want to know about your experience and I want to learn from them. But then let's erase those and look through the windshield and find out what are we going to do? How long is it going to take? And make sure I educate you because you'd be surprised that not how difficult you think it is. It's just because you don't know yet. Well, I, I love that analogy of um, looking out the windshield instead of the rearview mirror. And it sounds like, you know, holding somebody's hand or showing somebody their options or just like normalizing the fact that a lot of us haven't talked about this or a lot of us avoid money or get overly anxious. I find it tends to be either side of the spectrum and, and you're doing really great work. So I think your younger self actually learned a lot along the way and has a lot to offer nowadays to the people that you're working with. There's one more thing I want to ask about, because we did talk about your kids and the financial education you're doing at a personal level. Tell me a little bit about a conversation that you've had with one of your kids about money and how do you kind of help them avoid some of the mistakes that maybe you made? So the first thing is this is it's not easy (laughs) and every kid is different. And I think, you know, the story that I shared with you is my 13-year-old son, Andrew. He has kind of like caught the, he's caught the bug a little bit of, hey, I can make my own money and then I can kind of, kind of do what I want with it. And so, you know, I think the first thing is, first, all three of my kids are very spoiled and I've recognized that with all three of them. But one piece of advice that I've been trying to be better at, and I've just, I'm sure I've heard this from someone is. I can make my kid happy by saying yes today, but I can, and I can make them happy for today, but I can make them happy for their rest of their lives by saying no and actually educating them. And I think when I started saying no, especially to Andrew, he started thinking, well, how can I do this myself? How can I earn some money? So we started with the whole, okay, every time you get a gift, yes, you can buy something, but you need to give me 25% to put in your bank account. He never got that, but it is what it, it was. And what it kind of developed into is now he has a refereeing job and he makes $20 a game. So on a Thursday night, he makes $60. He gives me the check and I deposit it. And you and I talked about this off the air. I love it. And there's other ones out there, but Greenlight, it's an app. And what it allows us to do is it gives him his spending money. It gives him a savings account. And then it actually gives him an investment account. It's got all three of those. And I can control those. I can see everything all the way down to the point where we talk about spending, right? If he has to swipe and like this summer, he went to a camp and they went to an amusement park and, you know, he didn't ask me for any money. He had a certain amount of money in there. He used it. He swiped it when he needed it. Another time he needed cash. He was able to put it in. He was able to get cash out. I can see exactly when he does that. It pops up on my app of what he uses it for. It also allows him that whenever I put that new money in, so he made his 60 bucks, I make him put $15 in the savings part that once it's in the savings, he really can't touch it. Only I can distribute it from there. What we also did is we, we went from the savings and then we started doing some investment, investment part and he's gotten super excited about that. So you know what it allows you to do is he might want to buy Bitcoin. Well, 
to buy one share or one Bitcoin, you're going to pay like $60,000 these days, right? <laughs> but he's into it and how else does he purchase it? So now he can buy like 0.0001, you know, for, you know, a hundred bucks or something like that. So, so this app, what it's really kind of created is the ability to have three things in one where I have total control, but I try not to really implement it besides depositing it and making sure every deposit goes into that savings for a portion and then being able to just see what he's spending it on. Um, but he gets excited about it. I mean, he's got, it's like a big boy, right? He's got this big boy card. It's not mommy and daddy's card. And, and he earned it. Well, what um, I love about it, it reminds me of like, it's the app that is the jars that we used to give kids, right? With the saving and spending and gifting, except for it's the investment one. It, it seems like a great conversation starter, a great way for your, your son or, or people, young people who have his similar spirit to kind of be able to work at understanding money more. I just love that. I think that's a really cool dad thing to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, people that are listening, you know, don't be surprised. I've got my 10 now 11 year old who tells me every time he gets a gift and I put it somewhere, I've stolen his money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we may get that too. But he, and again, it's, it's about the maturity and the understanding. Obviously it's going into an account for him, but. <laughs> he will um, eventually thank you. He'll yes. eventually thank you. So uh, time goes so quick and we have so much to talk about, but I, I need to end this particular podcast. So tell me, what is one thought you'd like to leave our listeners with today, Rob? Being, you know, transparent to yourself as a starter. And then if you want, start to try to find someone that you think might be able to help you. And, you know, it might not always be the right fit. And then you move on to another one, but don't get discouraged. So I think, you know, once you decide, hey, I want to turn this thing around or I just want to be more aware of it, write it down and then try to find some a good assistance or, or a partner. I tell people, listen, I'm not the teacher here. I'm the person that hopefully can educate you and help you make the good decisions, but you will ultimately make the decision. Well, it sounds like you have a very empowering approach. And I know you have a special offer for listeners today. So tell them a little bit about where to find out more about you and your work, your TV show, and the special offer that you have. Sure. You know, there's a ton of different places to go, but if they just went to uh, balancedwealth.com, B-A-L-A-N-C-E-D, wealth. Dot com and you go there you can actually just schedule an appointment so i do this for anyone and everyone 20 minutes pretty much to just q a me over and over ask me any questions you may have i'm always happy to do that the other offer that i always do for people is you know i'll i'll spend and you know this is just part of the process i've always worked with if someone says hey i want to take it further than that one-on-one -on -one meeting i'm willing to listen to everything that you may have and the questions you may have and within two meetings without a charge be able to tell you, here's what I'm seeing from a macro level. Here's where you might want to go for help. And, you know, some people may or may not, you know, come to me or they might say, hey, that's great. I'm glad I at least Rob kind of gave me, write it on paper, show it to me. And I'm always happy to do that. So again, it's, um, you know, it's just the website, you know, www.balancedwealth.com. Great, great. And so I will definitely put the link in the show notes. And it's a great way for people to figure out how to put things down on paper, start off with a clean slate and decide kind of what their next steps are. So Rob, it is always such a pleasure to break money silence with you. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thanks. This episode is sponsored by PlanWell, BeWell. PlanWell, BeWell is a place that connects your financial well-being to your personal well-being. It's a place to inspire and learn, to define your aspirations, to begin articulating what well-being looks like for you. 
and a place to provide the financial tools needed to achieve your financial goals and live your intended life. Because when you plan well, you can be well, now and in the future. To learn more, visit planwellbewell.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.